So I don't know about you guys, but I I can't wear white. <laughs> like my wonderful late father, any time I wear white ends up being a disaster. So I've just stopped. I've just, there's no point. Stripes, like black and white stripes, that's fine. But all white or off white or a beautiful cream, maybe I can't. And I have one white shirt that I was wearing today. It's one of my favorites. And it's like that sort of silky kind of material. And mm. we, we sat down to dinner, had dinner, um, had some avocado because, of course. <laughs> and then like a half an hour later, I um, I like pulled sort of at the front of my shirt, you know, because I ate too much and I need space. <laughs> and the front of my shirt was like gooey. <laughs> like, oh, no. Like, what? And I pull my handbag and I am covered in green smeared avocado. I don't know how, but <gasps> it's like, like full on, like smeared on. And because it's like under my boobs, I can't see it. Like, I can't see it from my <laughs> perspective. I can't see it from my perspective. So I go in the mirror and oh, it's no. literally like the whole bottom half. It almost looks like I took half of the avocado and just kind of like rubbed it across. So I just wanted to have like a little moment of silence for my final white shirt. It, it's it's getting bleached right now, but I don't think that's going to do anything. So have faith. Have some faith. I loved it. It treated me well. And now it's gone. You made um, avocado on toast, but like on yourself. <laughs> Are you the bread? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on accident. I have that with them. Um, I don't normally wear white because um, I'm a goth, but... Um, <laughs> I have it with new clothes. Mm. So anytime I get anything new, I always just drop something down the front of it to the point where we'll sit down for di- like sit down to eat and James has been like w- w- when did you get that top? Is that is that, that is that your new top? And I've been like, yeah, and he's been like, yeah, you need to get changed. <laughs> it's that it's that frequent. <laughs> Amazing. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Murder Friends, the podcast where three friends from three different countries talk about murder. My name's Alana, and I'm Canadian. I'm Anna, and I'm American. My name's Hannah, and I'm British. So sit back and relax. You're among friends, and let's talk murder. Guys, let me ask you this. If you have this issue with your respective partners, husband, anyway. All right, so he's in charge. Sounds really serious. (laughs) Of... (laughs) Like the virgin, the internet. So we have virgin TV, internet and stuff. And um, we've had them for like the entire time we've been together. He's always, he, he won't go to Sky. Like he's something against Sky, even though I think Sky's better. <laughs> um, anyway, but I think what he's saying is that the internet's better with virgin. But where we live, it, it just, we've encountered a lot of issues. And I think because I live in quite a populated part of town for some reason, I don't know. It's a pain. So then I get frustrated and I just really want... They also have the worst customer service (laughs) ever. (laughs) Like, ever. We've had so many problems. I could go on and on and on, okay? So then we do this. About every six months, it gets to a point to where we have to call them and we have to do something about it. And I get him all, like, riled up and I'm like, you're going to have to call him. You (laughs) go get him, baby. You go get him. (laughs) So then he's in there. He's shut in a room for, like an hour he comes back out and he's like i was like did you cancel like did what did you do did you get compensation blah blah blah." he goes well um 
So I upgraded us to <laughs> a business package. And now apparently they'll they'll fix it like but quicker. I'm like, what? <laughs> um and he's like, Yeah, 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 it's gonna So wait, so you've locked us into a new contract <laughs> and we're paying more money. <laughs> like, what do they what do they do to you every time? But every time he comes back out and it's like yeah, well, um, we get Sky Movies for free for, like, six months. <laughs> Calling them every six months is, is too much. I don't know how you haven't just, like, thrown your Virgin Media box out window. Yeah. Well, the problem That's is... too often. I work from home. I know we all work from home now, but, like, I worked from home before that. So it's, like, I really need my internet to work at all. Um, So I think it's kind of just one of those things you get, like... The whole transition between trying to go to somebody else and it's like a hassle. And then so that's why I make my husband do it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't be fucked. (laughs) It's so funny you have a problem with them because at the last office that I was working at, because I now work from home just because, but the last office had Virgin and it sucked. It went out constantly and then you'd have to call them and they're like, well, we don't see any outages in the area. Have you plugged it in properly? Like, yeah, I know how to to plug it in. And they're like, well, maybe you just need to... Maybe you just need to restart it. And I was like, yeah, turned it on and off. the phone from me. Someone tells to take the phone (laughs) because I am going to scream. That's why I'm quite glad that like, because we used to have like Virgin, but now we've got Sky and I don't like really use the internet a huge amount for it to be of concern to me it does at the moment because obviously we're working from home but um i've completely lost my train of thought sorry it's gone no it's gone you're gonna have to call it the problem though i'll let (laughs) i think the issue is is now that we like like we i stream everything like i don't watch i don't think the last time i actually well i'll tell you the last time i watched cable i had to on sunday because I, i couldn't stream anything which i was like Oh, this is literally this is hell, isn't it? I like we're in 2020, and I've realized like how much again I couldn't turn my lights on. Why? Because my husband hasn't turned you know hooked up to oh, Alexa. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so it was the worst too because I had a mild hangover and I couldn't even like just stream my show. <laughs> <laughs> That's even worse. I so, in by the way, the amount of commercials that are on TV now. It's like, wow. How did we ever sit through this? Yeah, when I went back to Canada, um, I don't watch live TV here at all anymore. Like, it's it's YouTube or Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever. And when I went back home to Canada and um, just, like, had the TV on, because my parents still watch, like, regular TV. And, the yeah, the adverts, the commercials are unbelievable. And I think especially, like, in North America, they happen oh. so often. It's like, I couldn't even sit through a show. I was like, you know what? I'd rather just sit and look at the ceiling than have to watch this, like, ad for another, like, solicitor or, like, oh, a, I know. Medi- a new medical device oh, or something. Like, I can't. I'm sorry. I just, I'll go outside. I'm going. I'm leaving. Oh, my God. It is horrendous. It's so bad in North America. And you're right. Especially all the, um, the, well, we in America have a lot of ads for, like, prescription drugs. Yes. And a lot of people bonkers. running through that fields. Is absolutely bonkers. It's not natural. Yeah. Do you have do you have so and so? Talk to your doctor to see if so and so is right for you. And it's like, why? Like, shouldn't my doctor tell me that? <laughs> yeah, then then it's like, I don't want to have to go to him and tell him what I think I should be taking. Like, that's literally his job. Like, literally his job. And the the 
like humorous side of it is that they have they like talk about the side effects at the end and they kind of say it really fast they're like and the side effects are blindness anal leakage (laughs) and you're like (laughs) you're like oh god (laughs) but like your leg doesn't twitch anymore you know so it's okay I like how we went from uh, internet problems to anal seepage. <laughs> how? It's a real I mean, issue. how many minutes was that? Was that like a six minutes we went from internet issues? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing about this podcast. You never know what you're going to get. So. Never. No. So for True Crime News, I've got two bits for you. Um, the first one is Amanda Knox has recently been very vocal regarding her alleged support of Keith Raniere. So Raniere was the founder of Nexium, oh, yeah. which has been referred to as a sex cult. My wo- Not my words, not my words. Um, and he was found guilty of sex trafficking and racketeering in June 2019. Um, and I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, what's Amanda Knox doing? Like, is people just like using her name for clout? But I kind of like, did a little bit of a deeper dive into it. So Knox told people recently that, quote, reports that I'm a supporter of Mr. Raniere or that I'm involved in his case are not true and are nothing more than irresponsible media distortions made to garner clicks. When I read that, I was like, again, someone's just throwing her name around for clout, but it is definitely a little bit more deeper than that. So Raniere is due to be sentenced shortly, but a petition has been dropped off at the US Attorney's Office in Brooklyn, which accuses the prosecution of engaging in corrupt practices and horrible transgressions in the case against him. Knox was apparently approached by some former members of Nexium who say that Ranieri had been wrongfully convicted and wanted her to sign this petition. And she signed it. Oh. Oh. Because, quote, violation of these practices would constitute prosecutorial misconduct regardless of Mr. Ranieri's guilt or innocence. Like, I understand why she signed it, for her, a woman who was falsely accused of murder in Italy and spent four years in prison uh, and then was acquitted. And obviously she's very, very vocal about people being wrongfully convicted. I know, does she do work with the Innocence Project still? Or she used to? I don't know. Did I I dream that? Yeah. Anyway, you, you know what she's like. She's very vocal about certain things. But she then goes on to say that she had no opinion about whether Ranieri was guilty or not and that she didn't follow his case when it was being tried. To be clear, this petition that was handed over doesn't say Keith never did the horrible things that he is accused of or that, hey, he has now been convicted for, like branding women or making his members hand in collateral, which wasn't like money or assets, but rather like nude photos and information which he could use to blackmail them with. So I get why she signed it, but the allegations in this case would 100% make me query whether or not to sign a petition over prosecutorial like conduct i find that it's so bizarre right Mm. i guess it's hard to comment if you don't exactly know but like this particular case and maybe you shouldn't sign something you're not really that versed on like if you don't know about it i don't know that yeah like maybe do your research do your research because i mean there's a lot of witnesses and there's a lot of evidence in this case like it's not just in her case it's maybe you know different but Mm. yeah did we ever read like because i know there are a lot of podcasts around that sort of time wasn't there a podcast on nexium yeah i've did we yeah we listened to me like no i don't know that we reviewed I it but remember i remember that we, remember i think i, told I remember you listening to it. one yeah it's called like escaping nexium or something yeah that's it i think the first few episodes were very good of that because it was so shocking and it was um one of the victims was mm. being interviewed and i think i told you guys i'm like you guys should listen it's like crazy 
so you probably didn't listen. Okay. <laughs> I'm just thinking that is not ringing any bells. <laughs> so classic. It's fine. It's cool. Um. <laughs> no, I I definitely listened to a podcast on it. I yeah. don't know whether it was that one, that one, but um, yeah, that's a that's a bonkers story. So it'd be interesting to see whether or not um he is sentenced or whether or not they're going to do something about that petition hmm. soon. Um, and the second piece of news, it is really small, but I found it hilarious. Doc Antle has a docu-series called Tiger Kingdom, More Than a King, which gives his side of the story in the Tiger King drama. Oh, um, wow. So Antle's business and his capacity to do our international conservation work has obviously been affected by the release of Tiger King, and he's hoping that this series will help change people's minds. And I'm guessing make his bank balances look a little bit better mm. than they were before. There is a trailer on tigerkingdom.tv, which I have watched probably six times, <laughs> um, where he refers to Carol Baskin as a, quote, lying, cheating, roadkill, eating, and then they mute out the next word, but I'm going to like hazard a guess and say that the whole quote was probably lying, cheating, roadkill, eating, bitch. <laughs> Um, we also see Antle's three girlfriends, which is mentioned, um, and I don't know whether I'll watch it, but this whole situation is a gift that keeps giving. Do you think he's like, it's like he's trying to get 15 more minutes onto tacking on to the whole... It's not like a documentary, it's a docu-series. It's a whole series. So this is like, this is like episodic, um, and I think he's just trying to basically clear his name and... Get some uh, money. Get the money. Yeah, allegedly. You could never have guessed how popular Tiger King was going to be. Like, I'm sure they had an idea that it was quite scandalous and it was really out there and had these crazy characters and stuff. But I remember back in that very innocent time back in quarantine, the very beginning, and Tiger King just exploded, exploded. And then you see Carol Baskin on Dancing with the Stars. Like, oh. Who the fuck chose that? I mean, I'm not surprised. But now it just sort of feels like, okay, Tiger King has kind of died down. We've moved on to other other series and other issues. And the, some of the key players still want a little bit more. You know, a little bit extra time in front of the camera, a little bit more money. Because it was, it was so big. I don't know whether he, like, really wants, like, more money and stuff or whether he's just, like, extremely butthurt at how he was portrayed. (laughs) Because it wasn't flattering. Well, like, nobody came out looking particularly good in that entire documentary, did they? Uh Uh-uh. Like, it was just not fairly... It wasn't good for anyone, like, involved. Um, Yeah. And unfortunately for them, the entire world stopped right as that came out (laughs) and started streaming. And therefore, everyone just had a lot of time to watch it. Yeah, I was getting, like, messages from people that aren't into that kind of, like, genre of Netflix being like, oh, my God, did you watch that Tiger King Mm. thing? And it was like, one, of course I fucking watched it. Do I look like an idiot? And I was like, two, what the fuck are you doing watching Yeah. (laughs) Like, who are you? (laughs) Wild. Well, do you know what? If I I come across it, I'm going to have to maybe... Try and yeah, watch I don't episode. know whether it's going to be um, available in the UK, but out of pure crossed. curiosity, we'll find a way. <laughs> find a way. <laughs> Life finds yeah. a way. <laughs> so today for our review section, we are going to be talking about the new Netflix documentary, "The American Murder: The Family Next Door." Now, I'm pretty sure you guys both watched the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I figure we just kind of go through sort of somewhat like a quick summary and then we can kind of talk about it but essentially the documentary follows the watts family and 
when we first mentioned this, I actually didn't, I, I don't know if I ever knew this case or I have forgotten it or whatever, but I went into it pretty much blind, which was fun for once because I feel like I always end up already knowing the story. But in this case, unfortunately, you can kind of guess what's going to happen, even though it is like the worst possible outcome of anything. But anyway, what I found really interesting about the documentary is that it's done solely using real footage. So we see like body cam footage. We see um, like security cam type stuff. They also sort of um, animate texts between some of the characters. So they'll pop up on the screen. Um, There's no narration. There's no sort of storyteller. It's really pieced together based on the evidence, which I thought was really cool. And I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Searching. I think it came out last year, maybe the year before. I know the film and what you mean, the style. Yeah, so Searching is a movie done solely through, like, FaceTime video and webcams and uh, Facebook posts. So it's the same sort of idea where there's no real narration. There's no actual filming. It's it's done just in a really – it's a really creative movie, and this is done in a really creative way, which I don't think I've seen before, or at least not recently. So the day in question, we start on August 13th. Now, I want to say Shannon so bad, and I will probably switch to saying Shannon. Sh- sh- I, can't, I can't say it. I'm so sorry. Shannon? No. Yeah, Shanann. I haven't got a Shanann, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shanann, okay. So I'm so sorry. Shanann Watts is is the, the mom in question, and we first start with her friend, Nicole. So Nicole calls the police and sort of starts off the body cam footage. So the police come to the house of Shanann Watts. Nicole is there. She's quite frantic at this point. She says that she dropped Shanann off at home at 2 a.m. after a business trip. And at this point, it was sort of like late morning, early afternoon. She wasn't getting any response from Shanann. And so as a friend, like God bless her, she just felt like something wasn't right. She goes to the house. Shanann's car's there. So she just feels like something might have happened to her in the house. She mentioned that Shanann had said she wasn't really feeling that great. So maybe she's ill or what have you. So the police are able to enter the house once the husband comes home, Chris. So Chris, the police, the friend, and a couple of the other people go into the house and look for Shanann. She's not there. But they do find that her phone and her purse and her medication are all in the house, and her wedding ring is on the nightstand, which is kind of weird, and of course, their two children and their blankies are gone, and there's something really eerie of the husband saying, you know, the kids would never leave without their blankies. If they were going on a trip, they would always have them with them, and they're not here. So at this point, we have no idea did she leave with the kids? Did something happen? Nothing really seems to be out of place in the house other than her stuff is there and her car's there. So Chris also tells the police that she was pregnant uh, with their third child. And he sort of nonchalantly mentions that in that morning, we, quote, had an emotional conversation. And the police are like, okay, what does that mean? Uh, Chris said that they sort of talked about their marriage and he kind of alludes to saying like there wasn't a spark anymore. So he thought maybe she was upset 
that their marriage was basically coming to an end and she just took off, like left her wedding ring at home and took off. But then her car's there, so not likely. Yeah, and her phone's there. Yeah, it just... And her purse. Mm. Next, we go over to the neighbor's house. So again, it's, it's body cam footage. And he also has security footage from his house from that night. So we watch... The, the cop and Chris and this neighbor watch the security feed, which is like a really weird sort of dynamic. But you can see Chris, he leaves for work quite early, so it's still dark. He goes outside and he pulls his truck up to the front of the house, like real tight to the front. And he says, you know, I've been worried about people breaking in and stealing my tools. So I've been doing that, you know, it's not a big deal. And then he leaves and the police are talking to the neighbor and I feel like he must be a Dateline guy, you know, maybe watches 48 hours, you know, on CBS or whatever. And he says to the police, yep. Chris has never done that. He doesn't pull the car up and he's being really suspicious. Like he he's just the way he's talking and stuff. And the cops are like, you know, this plays out in different ways. You know, people react in different ways. But yeah, the neighbor was specifically like, this ain't right. So at this point, our story jumps back in time seven weeks prior. Shanann, Shanann, Shannon, Shanann, Shanann posts, she is a Facebook girl. I don't know if you guys noticed the amount that she posted on Facebook, but it's a lot. I think, I, I caught that too. And I realized, I think um, what I pieced together there was, <clears throat> I think she was um, like a, on a multi-level marketing sort of at-home thing. That's why she was away on a little thing. And that's the only reason I figured out that she's probably talking to, pe- like, the camera so much. It's big in America. Like, big. And, like, girls from high school who try to hit you up. I don't know about Canada, but they try to hit you up yes. in your, like, DMs. Like, we haven't talked in, like, 17 years. But, like, no, I don't want one of your wax candles. Yeah. Whatever it is. Your scent. <laughs> you want, I don't know. You want some essential oils. Yeah. <laughs> essential oils or some leggings. What was that lipstick one? There's oh, a, like, a lipstick yeah. one as well. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, no, Anna, you're absolutely right. There was, um, as you see through the documentary, and I guess that's why this style works so well, is because she had Mm. so much online that you could pull from, like videos and photos and stuff. So at this this point, we go back in time, seven weeks, and we see a lot of that sort of footage, because obviously there's no police cams at this point. But the family goes on a trip to North Carolina without Chris. So Shanann, the two kids, um, go over to North Carolina, there's um, a couple instances of some like family drama. So Shanann and Chris's mom have a really big fight and she storms out. And then um, she goes to her family's place and stays there for quite a while. But the in-laws like don't come and visit. And there's kind of like a little bit of drama in the background. But while they're away, we learned that Chris didn't call the kids when they're away. Um, which like kind of broke my heart. It's one thing like if your kids are grown and whatever, but they're just like little kids, like small babies. And um, we see through the text messages between Chris and Shanann that he doesn't call and she's really upset. And he's like, no, don't worry, baby. I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll be better. And But there's a lot of like fighting between the texts and we learn that Chris's family doesn't really like her and they think that perhaps 
it's sort of like a dynamic where they think she took Chris away from the family and they moved out to Colorado and she's quite demanding and bossy and they don't like her. And so there's more sort of family drama in the background. So they're, the family's away. Chris is at home by himself. And of course, we find out that Chris has a girlfriend. So, I mean, no shockers there, but God bless her. When the story hits and it's on the news, she goes to the police and says, like, I am in a relationship with this guy. They had met fairly recently. Like, it wasn't a long-term thing. And she said that he told her him and his wife were separating. Of course, like, that hadn't been decided yet, but that's what he told her. And she came forward and was like, something doesn't feel right. Like, I just need you to know that I'm part of the story sort of thing. So during this sort of family trip without Chris, Shanann becomes really suspicious that he's seeing somebody else. He doesn't really call her. He doesn't really want to talk to her. He doesn't really talk to the kids. He's working out constantly. She says there's no intimacy like of any kind and he won't explain why or what's going on. And so she feels like really shut out and we see sort of text messages between her and some of her friends sort of explaining her state of mind and and, and that kind of stuff. And Naturally, Chris gets taken to the police station, goes through some more questioning. Uh, he fails a polygraph test and they decide, like, mm. let's pop his dad in and just kind of see what happens. So they're in there with Chris and Chris's dad and they're quite um, upfront with him that they believe, you know, you failed the polygraph, you know what happened and we need to know what happened. And there's a really interesting moment where the the woman, the detective, mentions that Perhaps Shanann did something to the kids and you had to kill her. You know, maybe that was, you know, maybe she hurt the kids and you were just protecting them and you had to kill her. So she sort of plants that idea and then leaves. And and um, we're just sitting watching from like the little camera in the corner of the room. Finally, Chris tells his dad that Shanann smothered the kids so he had to kill her. So he takes that story that the detective sort of floated out there and he's like, yeah, yeah, no, that actually that is what happened. But of course, there is that mystery between who actually killed the kids. Did she actually smother them? And he had to attack her or something or they're just, we're trying to figure out the timeline and that sort of stuff. So in the end, it seems like he was unhappy with his life. He has this girl on the side and he's really excited and he's working out and he's looking really great and stuff. Shanann comes home from the business trip and he smothers her. He says that they had a fight and they sort of like broke up and then he just sort of did it. And then it's so, it's almost impossible to comprehend. Like I, it just feels not even real, but he takes his two little girls into his truck he drives out to his work site. He works like um with oil and stuff, oil and gas. So he drives mm. them for an hour and then smothers his children and dumps them into these oil tanks. And he buries Shanann nearby. And it's just like we all consume a lot of true crime, but there's something like like a family annihilator. Like um last week on True Crime 101. Yeah. Mm. It's just it's really hard to wrap your head around that kind of stuff so chris ends up pleading guilty to all counts including mur murdering the children his guilty plea was actually part of a deal that the death penalty would be removed from sentencing 
So he is sentenced to five life sentences without the possibility of parole, three to be served consecutively, and two to be served concurrently. And the documentary sort of ends at that point of him being sentenced and taken away. I just, like I said, it's, I can't really fathom because it's done in such a way that there's no real theatrical kind of element. Like, it's really just like, this is the evidence and this is what he said and this is the footage. And it's just like, it's hard to I think uh, with, get. Yeah, I think with, with it as well, it was because they used that real footage and they actually, the whole case kind of unfolded very, very quickly. Like, it was in a matter of days that he'd confessed to it wasn't it really yeah was it like yeah three? and i think yeah, yeah it's like three Wild. or four days it's crazy but i think we hear in like true crime stories a lot like oh the police attended the property but this show was almost like here's what the police do when they attend a property here's mm. real body cam footage of what happened so it kind of felt like real time mm. as we were like going through it but it was so eerie that was the eerie yeah because he seemed normal that was scary because he was seemed so normal because it was just video footage of him like from before obviously he did what he did and even after and you're just like this how would you ever and he's like he's just an average guy with an average family you know fairly good looking guy like it's just so scary because it makes everything very like wow like you can't yeah and it sort of glimpses some of the um, body cam footage at the beginning when he's walking around the house with the police and he's like yeah I don't know like I'm just Mm. I don't know what happened and you're watching it again knowing that he just killed his own children and you're just like it's like I just get goosebumps now thinking about like he's so just normal and like pretending is just so creepy yeah 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 definitely oh I have to say that female investigator was so badass. She was so good. Like mm. she's one of the it's one of the best investigators I've ever seen on camera like that. You know, you've seen courtroom like um interrogation videos and I just thought mm. thought she was very good. Like that was a what a play like Yeah, I loved her in that polygraph thing. Yeah. Where she's like you'd be stupid to sit here and take this polygraph. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he just sits down and takes the fucking polygraph yeah. and I'm like you dumb bitch. I know. Like oh. Oh, I can believe how young he is. He's only th- he's thirty five now. Yeah, wow. And so he was like thirty two, thirty three when this happened. It's crazy. I and thought I... he was older than that. No, thought, that's just such an early young age to throw your entire fucking life away. Yeah, I mean, but I just can't. I think being a parent as well. Not you don't even have to be a parent, but like you mm. genuinely. Um, I w- so I started watch. I put this on, and then my husband came in the room, and he ended up watching it with me because it was just so like, whoa. And, and it was gripping. just, yeah, it was very gripping. What a good word for that. And I, you know what I really appreciated? That it was not gruesome. We didn't have any sort of, it was just very, it literally, there was a lot they actually didn't say. They just let it be told with like real footage and real, and I thought it was mm. a really tasteful way to tell this horrible, tragic story. And it was just really focused on the victims rather than so much him because it was a lot of her talking and her, te- and her videos and her children and their children and, um, and I think at the end, I noticed that they it was like a special thanks to the to her family, and so I'm gonna guess they they did assist maybe with like some of the stuff, the footage and stuff. So um, I thought it was well done that way. Yeah, it really felt like it. You were part of the investigation. You know, it wasn't like 
making it this big theatrical thing. It's like, no, you are watching the body cam of the police in her house, right? That's where they start. And then you see them interviewing people. And then you see them, you know, looking at the cell phones and the text messages. And so it it didn't feel like they were dramatizing this really horrible event. It was just like, this is what happens. And this is then, you know, the interviews and, and that kind of stuff. So it sort of played out kind of like a natural way. Yeah, you do really get that like fly on the wall mm. kind of vibe for it rather than it being like scripted or like interviews with family and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Mm. What would you guys Agreed. rate it out of five? Oh, five. Five. Same. Five. Yeah. It was just so, like I said earlier, it was, it was just so gripping. I remember I was watching it and I think I had to like stop halfway through to do something else. And while I was doing the the something else, all I could think about was like putting it back on and finishing it. Mm. And I I rarely feel like that about a lot of like true crime mm. stuff. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I mean, the story's horrible, but just the way it was done was just so ta- like in a tasteful way. Where it was like I said, it wasn't gruesome. It was just so interesting. Couldn't stop watching. So yeah, five definitely. Yeah, I think five too. A, a, a good test is my partner is not a true crime person. Um, bless him. Not into it. But I put this on and he was sort of like doing stuff in the background. And he kind of comes over and he's sort of standing at the couch watching. And I was like, do you want to sit down? Like, you want to you have a go at this? He's like, oh, I don't know. I was like, it's up to you. And then he ended up sitting and watching through the whole thing. So it it's definitely done in a way that just is is unique for this kind of stuff. I've, we've watched a lot of true crime documentaries and I find like this was a really interesting way to tell like the worst story imaginable, if, if that makes sense. But yeah, it was really sympathetic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a five as well. Oh my God, we actually like something. Finally. <laughs> yes, guys. <laughs> when was the last time it had a five out of five for all of them? Probably oh. before like quarantine. Yeah, we like we really like weren't Did happy we with things. We th- yeah, we went through that spell of just fucking hating everything. Yeah, didn't we actually have an episode co- called "We Hate, we I hate, hate Everything"? Yeah. <laughs> we hate everything. <laughs> I'm so proud of us. Yeah. Well, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Weird crime time. Okay, so for weird crime time today. We've okay, so basically, we've had two big stories about family annihilators, and they were horrific. So, I was gonna go a little bit lighter, and maybe it's not really a crime, but you know, it's frowned upon. Could you try? That was my watch. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) So, today I'm gonna bring you a story called Potty Mouth Parrots Split Up by the Zoo Bosses After Egging Each Other On to Swear. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. I'm here for the story. Okay. So, this this story is from Sky News. Um, Five foul-mouthed parrots have had to be separated after encouraging each other to swear at a Lincolnshire... Lincolnshire? Lincolnshire? Lincolnshire. Lincolnshire. Thank you. Zoo. The parrots named Billy, Eric, Tyson, Jade, and Elise... Join Lincolnshire Wildlife Center's colony of 200 gray parrots in August. But it didn't take them long to ruffle a few feathers with their foul language. You see what they did there. Um, 
we saw it very quickly. We were quite used to Parrot swearing, but we've never had five at the same time, said Steve Nichols, CEO of the Wildlife Park. Most parrots clam up outside, but for some reason, these five relish it. <laughs> the parrots have sent, since been distributed to different areas of the park, so they do not, quote, set each other off. <laughs> Mr. Nichols explained that nobody had complained about the parrots, but they were separated for the sake of young visitors and hopes that they would pick up natural calls from the other African gray parrots. Apparently that, is that a local, like, <laughs> the local language in Lincolnshire? <laughs> a lot of swearing. Um, people have come to us. They think it's highly amusing. We haven't had one complaint, he added. When a, ter- when a parrot tells you to fuck off, it amuses people very highly. <laughs> That is genuinely hilarious. I don't understand what the problem is. Also, little little footnote here. The park is also home to a parrot called Chico, who made headlines in September after learning to sing a range of pop songs, including Beyonce's If I Were a Boy. Mm. Oh my god. Oh, you guys saw a video I remember that, that video, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you heard about Chico then. Yeah, so I just, you know, there are some five badass little parrots that... <laughs> they sound like a group of teenagers. <laughs> I know. How how bad are the swear words in question? Well, I think they were telling each other to fuck off. <laughs> okay, if if that was the harshest, then I don't see an issue with them. I know. I'm kind of. But if they're saying other terrible words, <laughs> which I use occasionally, I yeah. don't see the issue. And I honestly, I think the real crime here is the names of those fucking parrots. I know. Tyson. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got Billy and Eric. It reminds me of a story I saw, it must have been on Twitter, where um, this guy had one of those parrots, like the African grey parrots that pick up words, and I guess him and his girlfriend lived together, and he went away um, for something, comes back, and the parrot says, I love you, Gary, and his name's not Gary. Uh-oh. No, no. And, and it kept, it happened once, and he's like... It, it kind of, like, turned my stomach, but I thought maybe it was something from TV or whatever. But he had suspicions that his girlfriend was cheating on him with Gary from work. And then no. the parent says, I oh love you, Gary. And he found out that he had been in, like, the, the flat. And no. Her- Can you imagine? What a snitch. But then he said, he- <laughs> thankfully, he was able to, you know, end the relationship because his partner was cheating on him. But he said he had to give the parrot away because every time he, he, he kept saying Gary and like, I love you, Gary and stuff. And he's like, I can't. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like taunting him. He's like, I can't. That's so it. harsh. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I don't have much um experience with parrots. So. Uh, well, OK, so my my mother-in-law has one. I think I've talked about Polly on the show before about something else. I want to say that I have. Or maybe I've just told you guys about it. But maybe the real crime is the fact that this par- this parrot is called Polly. <laughs> I Do you know what? I agree <laughs> with you. That's terrible. That's I know. Terrible. It's very unimaginative. But <laughs> it was actually my um, sister-in-law's son's parrot, but he, like, lives there now, my mother-in-law's house. And, I okay, this is a few weeks ago. And when I saw this, it made me think of it. And I was like, oh. I was sitting in the front room where the parrot, where Polly lives, and I was by myself. I was actually doing some work, and I was just, you know, hanging out, whatever, in the room of my own. All of a sudden, the parrot goes, <laughs> goes, um, titwank. <laughs> titwank. What a British thing to say. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was like, 
excuse me <laughs> does it talk like regularly yeah yeah oh, okay, he yeah. um he he says it does a few things um he <laughs> um he uh he'll take the piss out of my accent um <laughs> like an american accent sometimes if i was there a few few like days he um he says other stuff but he he copies all right so my mother-in-law's a bit like older <laughs> So he copies like her farts. <laughs> God bless her. Like I mean, you know, you get to that age, you just don't you don't care anymore, do you? You're just like whatever. Yeah, so Polly is a is it anyway, so I'm like, okay, on the group the family group chat, my text was like, All right, all right, who taught the parrot titwank? <laughs> Fess up. I think it probably was my husband, although he denies it, but I have my suspicions. That's hilarious. Well, I think that's all we have for today. Um, you can check out our website at murderfriends.com. You can see all our sources for our stories today. Um, email us at murderfriendspod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at murderfriendspd. Instagram, murderfriendspod. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.